indecent exposure. You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That's exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure. And as crazy as it sounds, we are already up to episode number 30 of Indecent Exposure. Here at the Greylock Glass, I'm your host, the Mongrel, known in an alternate zip code as Jay Velasquez. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. I miss you guys. I miss this show. It's been way too long. I know it's been too long because people have been asking me, did you like kill that show or didn't you stand that show? Kind of like, you know, indie alternative writers and poets and musicians and filmmakers. And yes, yes, we still have that show. It's just been a freaking crazy couple of months. So uh, we're back though today, right now. Um, we have some great stuff coming up. I have so much stuff that people have sent me, mostly music, tons and tons of music, all great. Uh, that I'm going to be playing in the next several shows, um, and some interviews coming up. We have um, interviews with all kinds of different folks. We have an interview coming up with uh, one of the ind- the gaming industry's uh, up-and-coming artists uh, who is a specialist in, in high-tech weapon design, and her name is Asia Hawkins. She's from the Berkshires, and she has, uh, like I said, she's made a name for herself as uh, one of the premier... Um, weapons artist, and hopefully, I think she's she should be done. I think she's in the middle of a move. She said uh, she's moving, and uh, we'll talk in a couple of weeks. And, of course, she just found out that some big company that I can't name right now is interested in her work. So we better get her on the show before they snatch her up. And then I have to go through, like, layers of PR flack monkeys uh, just to get her on the show for an interview. Uh, but we shall see. We shall see. Today is what we want to focus on right now, and that is because tonight uh, there is a showing of the training of Poe, which is a BDSM documentary um, created by Bella Vendetta, also of the Berkshires. And this is not to be missed. It's taking place at Images Cinema. Um, like seven o'clock, maybe eight o'clock. We'll get that uh, down pat before the end of the show, and it is going to be something to behold. Something to behold. We have an interview with her. Um, I think that's about all we've got. We don't have a a whole lot. We don't. I think if you go to the show notes, we've got her bio. We've got some images, um, and I'm going to try to get some maybe some audio to kind of play. But uh, the main thing is uh, to get your little fanny into the seats. Uh, to see this this masterpiece that has won several awards across the country, and um, and it is sort of a return uh, to to some of the the golden age of of images, uh, according to according to some. Um, but let's get this show off on the road here. Let's get started with a band from the Pioneer Valley um, that uh, I have been listening to since they came out with their. Their EP, or no, their LP, Paper City Exile, uh, eponymous release in the spring of 2017. And I thought that we would listen to these Pioneer Valley guys uh, right now with Treat Her Right slash Brought You Down here on Indecent Exposure. (laughs) 
we're going to be playing a lot more of these guys. Um, the whole the whole album is just solid. It is just so tight. Um, these are young guys too, and they've really they've got these just these clean chops um, that you really and they they kind of harken back to some some greats from uh, all the way from the seventies. You can hear like strains of seventies, um, eighties, nineties classic rock, but then with some experimental stuff thrown in there. Um, again, that's Paper City Exile. There's a link to their page in the show notes. Uh, check them out, and we will be playing more from them in the future. Um, right now, let's go to our interview with Bella Vendetta, who is the creator of the documentary The Training of Poe, here on Indecent Exposure. With me on the line um, is Bella Vendetta, who is going to be uh, doing a talkback and a Q&A on, on Monday, October 16th at Images Cinema uh, after the screening of The Training of Poe. Uh, the Training of Poe is an award-winning trans-lesbian leather lifestyle BDSM documentary following multiple AVN-nominated and trans-100 recipient Chelsea Poe as she travels to the mountains of western Massachusetts to slave train with Mistress Bella Vendetta, Bella Vendetta, thank you so much for coming on Indecent Exposure. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. It is a pleasure. Um, I liked hearing you read the description of the film. It was great. That was awesome. <laughs> thank you. I um I uh, I I suppose we can always um you know record that and I can send that to you and you can put it on your outgoing messages. Yes. Um, you know maybe that should be a prize here on on uh, Indecent Exposure. <laughs> uh, you can win me on your on your outgoing on messages. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, so let's talk a little bit first about, um, before we talk about the film, let's talk about you and let's talk about the subject matter. Um, Bella, give us a little bit of your history. How did you, um, how did you come to, to make a film like this? Uh, what's your background? Uh, well, my background, first and foremost, was really as a filmmaker. And that was something that I was doing in high school and then went to college for a short stint to do. And even actually did an apprenticeship here in Berkshire County at the Lee Cable Station. This was how I learned to do online editing. Um, and my background as a dominatrix starts 15 years ago, basically almost right after high school, um, when I went away to college and I did a traditional training at the world's oldest BDSM training chateau with a mistress who's now not practicing anymore. Um, and she taught me the ways of old guard leather lifestyle and the differences of the different kinds of communities that were involved in BDSM. And I went on from that house to open my own old, old guard leather household and uh, slave train people and couples and individuals. And um, while doing that, my involvement in the adult industry also took me to adult films, which I have won awards for and had some wonderful experiences shooting for some mainstream companies that I'm sure people have heard about. Um, but through that whole thing, you know, I was shooting fetish films and I really never got to make the type of content that I wanted to do that was genuine to me and my sexuality. So all these years later, I decided to make this film to really showcase what doing slave training with me was really like and what it looked like inside of a lifestyle BDSM household. Hmm. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to back up and we're gonna have to um to retrace our steps a little bit. First of all, um, BDSM bondage, dominance, sadomasochism. Yep. Have I hit that uh, right? There's a there's a couple different ones people will say bondage, domination, sadism, masochism. Yep. Okay. Um, talk to me a little bit about 
slave training as a as an old guard leather house. What do we mean by this? Are we talking about a sort of a school? Are we talking about a, like an academy, basically? Um, well, when people come to session with me to train with me, it's kind of it is basically like learning from, you know, a master of the arts of pain and pleasure. And people come to me to train to be the best that they can be in whatever area of interest they have. Um, you know, it's not a school, you don't get a certificate or anything like that afterwards. It's really more of a lifestyle. But um, I guess what I mean with old guard is saying that when most people think about a professional dominatrix or kink, a lot of people's minds go right to porn and the kind of things they see where it's basically someone tied up and someone else having sex with them. And that's not really at all what actual lifestyle BDSM looks like. That's really just a fantasy. So the film is showing what actual BDSM lifestyle looks like, you know, what it looks like when a slave learns to do a simple task such as wash the floor. And, you know, little things like this that are in our day to day are very important part of the ritual of BDSM. This is great because these are, I have you on the on the line and I can ask all the questions that I've always I've always, you know, <laughs> wondered. Well, it, it's a it's one of these um it's one of these areas that has, you know, it's been around for, you know, centuries at least, maybe millennia. Mm-hmm. And um and yet it's probably about the least known uh, era or area of sensuality out there. And I guess, let me, actually, let me, let me back up and say, um, when we're talking about those people who engage in BDSM, what, what would we guess would be the, like, the, the percentages? 10%, 15%, 25% of the people um, engage in some, some level I don't of it? I the answer to that. I'm... I feel like there's probably a study that's been done that has a better answer than I do, but I don't know. I don't know. I would easily say, I mean, maybe it's just my overactive imagination, but I feel like in my life, the people that I meet, at least 20% of them are kinky in some way, hmm. on varying degrees. Hmm. Now, you said um, areas of interest. You know, people will train with you and, um, and, and based on their area of interest. What do we mean by that? Um, well, there's some people in a, in a lifestyle household, there's different slaves and submissives each have their own role. Some people might want to train to uh, as a foot fetish slave and, you know, their their goals and desires and passions are revolving around feet and their fetish for feet. And so they, you know, will keep me in pedicures and massages and shoes and hosiery and adorn my feet with those type of things. Some people have no interest in feet whatsoever and they might want to do a puppy play or a horse play or some kind of training um, animal kink training. So that's a totally different kink and totally different type of equipment and lifestyle. So each person, you know, is not a one size fits all. A lot of people will call me and say, what happens in a session? And there's no answer for that because what happens in a session is very dependent on who is doing the session and what their interests are. Do you think people, I mean, do people come and do they have an, a sense of what their kink is? Or do you think that it takes, or does it take a while for people to kind of figure out what attracts them? Um, I think most people have a pretty good idea of one aspect that's attracting them to to this lifestyle or to contact me. And a lot of people find out after doing a session or two that they're into things they didn't even know existed, maybe, you know, like even myself as a pro dom have been approached with some things. My, my favorite example of this is clown porn. You know, I used to say that uh, when I ran my website, which is now defunct, bellavendetta.com, Um, it was a niche fetish site and people could write in and say like, you know, they had this fetish for particularly like this red vinyl cat suit or something. And we would find someone that was also into that and make some art involving that. And I had gone approached with clown porn and it wasn't anything that I was really necessarily into. And I really couldn't find anyone else that was. So I decided I was going to try it. And you know what I found? 
that I really liked it. And I created a whole clown persona. I went on for years to do like clown burlesque shows and clown shoots. And it was like became a major part of my career. So you never know if you have an open mind, you can find some things you never even knew turned you on. Hmm. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about what's the, the, the perception of, of the perception of the normal range of sexuality. Do you think that I don't even know how to ask the question. Uh, do you think that most people, if they gave this lifestyle a chance, even if they don't necessarily get into it, would they get it? Uh, they, no, it's no. not for everybody. No, okay. it's not for everybody. That's for sure. What to, Some people can think that it is, and okay. then they find out that it's not, you know, because they see these these porno films and things that depict, you know, they, they've read Fifty Shades of Grey, and they expect that that's what it's going to be like, and... It's not like that. <laughs> mm. um, where do you where do you think kink comes from? Oh, I don't know. I think well, I, I can't say that. I'm not a brain doctor. I don't know <laughs> what makes someone particularly attracted to one thing or another. You know, it's just it's just really. I almost look at it as a, a sexuality. I mean, people that are interested in kink are gay and straight and bi and all spectrum of in between because I think being in the kink lifestyle and being around the people that are involved in the community kind of opens your mind up to realize that you don't always have to have these very specific labels for things. Hmm. That's um I think that's probably something that's that's worth pointing out. I mean, when I did a little bit of the homework, um the numbers of awards you've won um have sort of a wide spectrum. Let me see if I can. Yeah, back yeah. There's not one thing, you know. There's there's a whole different array of of content that I've made, and yeah. I mean, the um, again, I'm trying to to get the stupid internet to pull up the thing here, but um, you know, winner of honorable mention at the 2017 SECS Fest, 2017. That's the most uh, recent one, actually. That was quite an honor. And that was actually the world debut of the film because before that, it's been shown at very many places and accepted into multiple film festivals. But it's a feature-length film, and it's quite long, so not everyone can, you know, give it the full play. And a lot of people were showing um, cropped versions of it and just one scene and stuff like that. And Sex Fest was the first festival that showed the entire film, and even I believe did a Q and A afterwards and gave it the press and, and shine that I think it deserved. So that was a special one for me to walk away with an honorable mention. It was in there with a lot of really beautiful films. Got it. And it was an official selection for the Jim Thorpe Independent Film Festival yes. and the San Francisco uh, Sex Worker Film and Arts Festival. So quite a, a broad appeal to uh, for, for this film. Yes. Yes. Well, let's get into it. Um, the training of Poe. Um, it has a uh, as as its um, subject matter, the transformation of Chelsea Poe, um, as, as I read earlier, as he travels to the mountains of Western Mass to slave train with you. Um, what can we, what do we know about uh, Chelsea Poe beforehand? What can we reveal? Um, is this somebody who had heard about you, somebody who uh, was referred? I mean, how did Chelsea come to you? 
Um, well, Chelsea and I, we had actually never met. Oh, no, we met one time. But before we met the one time, we had a, a long history of like this long distance communication and flirtation via Twitter. Uh, we both worked for a lot of the same companies, a lot of the same adult industry companies. And she was kind of, you know, newer on the scene those few years ago. And I was like instantly attracted to not only her pictures and her content that she was creating, but her politics involved with pornography. She was really, really outspoken about trans women's inclusion in pornography and about not using slurs to market her work. And I really admired it. And after talking to her for a while and getting to know her, I also came to discover that she had a pretty deep-seated need and desire for BDSM in her life, too. And I thought that she could probably benefit from doing a traditional training with me and not just like a porn scene. So I hatched this idea up and proposed it to her, and she loved it, and she came to Berkshire County, and here we are now. Let me ask you this. Um, When you say the politics of porn, Mm -hmm. obviously... There's, you know, this come, you know, kind of comes and goes in waves. You know, there's a, a greater um, acceptance of porn. Uh, there is a backlash. Uh, yeah. There is a uh, often, sometimes, there's a movement to, to sort of shut it down on the grounds that uh, everyone in the industry is exploited. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what um, what would you say your take on porn is politically? Uh, well, I mean, I'm a member of the adult industry, so I'm obviously for it here. It's it's the thing that has been, you know, that allowed me to have the success that I've had to make this film, which the film, by the way, I don't classify as porn. There's no sex in the film. <laughs> it's not at all when people hear my work and then they think that I made a film, they literally think it's going to be porn. And some people have been a little disappointed that it's not. It's a documentary. And the subject matter is definitely sexual, but it's shot as a documentary and meant to showcase um, an underground sexual minority. Um, so I'm all for that. I mean, we should be represented. Uh, qu- queers in general should be represented in pornography, in the mainstream media, and everywhere that we can be represented. And there's not uh, as many queers making lifestyle BDSM porn as I wish there was. So hmm. <laughs> I decided to fill the niche. <laughs> well, that's that's uh, that's fair enough. I think I think that um, a lot of people don't know. Uh, that Images Cinema um, actually was, uh, I think it might have been in the 70s, it, yeah. was, it was a porn house. I didn't know that actually when I approached them, but then I was told that and that they were they wanted to show the film to kind of get, you know, as a homage and get back to their roots. So that was very cool of them to be able to take a chance to show the film. Can't wait to find out how the community responds. This should be fun. <laughs> should be good. <laughs> should be good. Um, all right, well, so let's talk about, um, let's talk about, Chelsea Poe. Um, Chelsea Poe is is starting slave training. Um, had she had any slave training before, or was this was this brand new? She had done um, a, probably f- a lot of kink activities in her life, and she had shot with a lot of really competent dominas who you know I have a lot of respect for. But I don't think that she had. I know that she had not um, done anything for where she you know when you're filming, it's like yes, mistress, yes, mistress, and then they say cut, and you go back to being like okay, yo, you know. <laughs> So with, when she was with me, it was 24-7. This was her role. It wasn't – we weren't hamming it up for the camera. She was herself. She got to do a video diary before and after each day to kind of explain what she was feeling and what she was going through. And I know that she had never been that immersed before in lifestyle BDSM. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, and, and there was a certain tone of eh in your voice when you mentioned it. Um, would you say that that gave a somewhat – 
inaccurate version of the world of BDSM? Yes, hugely inaccurate. Why? It did nothing for us. <laughs> because, as I said, that's, that's a fantasy book. It's a fiction, fan fiction book. Fiction being the key word. <laughs> that doesn't happen in real life. Maybe it does for someone, I don't know. But I know a lot of really kinky people all over the world, and none of them have that life. So um, basically what it did, a lot of people say, wasn't it great that it brought BDSM into the mainstream? And the answer to that is kind of no, it's not. Because it brought an unsafe unconsensual form of BDSM to the mainstream. And it made that be like the acceptable standard that this is what people thought when I say dominatrix, that they assume I live in a mansion with an insanely beautiful customized dungeon. And that I just have kinky sex all day with slaves. And there's nothing true about that statement at all. Mm. So as a result of it, also a lot of people got the wrong idea about BDSM and tried some very unsafe things. And one of the things that happened for me and a lot of other pro doms that I know is that we would get contacted by people and couples saying like, oh, we read Fifty Shades and we want to try this stuff. And or my husband tied me up and now there's like, you no, know, the circulation was cut off in my arm and now I can't feel my hand. And, you know, this stuff is very dangerous. And so when people play around with it, like it's a game, that's how you get hurt. And then the whole industry and the whole community ends up getting a bad name for it. You know, you can go back further in literature. I mean, certainly the story of O. Uh, yeah, well, the training of- is actually a play on that because the story of O got made into a kink.com website called The Training of O, and they have a whole porn on it. So The, the Training of Poe was literally a, a play on a play <laughs> on um, the story of O. Now, that was um, – it's been a long time since I've read that. Was that actually written by a man or was it in fact written by a woman? Do we, do we remember that there was like um, a – well, I, you know, word on the street is that it was a woman, so I, I don't know if anyone can ever have the definitive answer on it. Yeah, I think that's what I think that's what they probably decided. I know there was some question as to whether or not this was a man's fantasy, right, um, or whether this was actually a, a female author. And I think I think it turns out that it was. I just having just that occurred to me, and I, I couldn't remember. Um, safety. You've talked about safety. Um, what kinds of things? are important to know about, um, about creating a safe environment? Um, well, I think the first thing you do is you decide what the activity is that you're going to do. And then you do some research on how to do that activity safely. It's, you can't really give a broad, you know, you do this and you're safe. Um, the number one thing to do to be safe with any kind of sexuality, BDSM or otherwise is to communicate. Kind of like being safe, uh, in any relationship at any time. That's right. Communicating because you, you can get into some trouble over over coffee and, and bagels in the morning if you're not careful. It's true. What you say. Um, <laughs> so this um, this let's get into the filmmaking part of this. Um, how when did you begin filming this? Um, in 2015. Okay, and we over five days. Okay, and this was in in Western Massachusetts. Yes. Um, I could have, you know, even if I didn't know, I could have picked out, picked out that, uh, you've got some great, yeah. um, um, pastoral scenes, some, some yeah. rustic, uh, I think it shows Western mass really beautifully. And I'm excited for people who are from Western mass to see it because I've already like some local people who have seen it will get excited. Oh, I know where that spot is. You know, they get all excited. So yeah. yeah. Be very cool. Um, so then, uh, you shot it over five days. Um, who was, uh, who was doing the, the actual production work on that or the, uh, the shooting? The camera work was all done, um, by a woman who goes by the name Heartless Productions out of Brooklyn. And I brought her in. She was pretty well known in the industry and she shot for a lot of my colleagues and I had shot a short film with her, 
um, the year before. So, and her and Chelsea had a relationship as well. So they knew each other. So everyone was comfortable with each other and she came in to do the shooting. Got it. Got it. What were some of the challenges of this film? Um, well, as you were talking about your neighbor doing the lawn mowing earlier, right, right. <laughs> there was a lot of that going on and sirens and the sound was a challenge from the get go. <laughs> um, and we had shot some stuff outside and in a waterfall and it was pretty impossible to get it the way I wanted, but it is as good as it's going to get. And I'm pretty happy with what we got. Um, the the um the editing process and, and all that did you do that yourself did you have that uh, did you farm that out um i farmed out the actual editing to a guy who goes by john baker and he's also a berkshire county native but he is now in los angeles um i basically went through and watched every minute of footage and took notes about the stuff that i liked wanted to keep get rid of and then i went through that again with a fine tooth comb and made like exact notes on where I wanted the cuts to be and what I wanted it to look like. And he somehow through my like garbled scrambled notes made sense of it and made a film out of it. <laughs> yeah. That's the market genius right there. Yeah. Somebody really else's is. Mad, He's like yeah. MVP of the whole film. He really is. Um, the, um, the, 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 the theater is um, it's a small theater. You're not going to pack in, you know, 500 people. I, I think it holds. No, I think it's 150. Yeah, like 150. Um, what do you hope this audience? Um, well, first of all, do you, do you think it's gonna? I mean, I have no idea. I, I suppose I could talk to uh, to the to the cinema. Um, do you think it's gonna pack it in? Do you think there's a um, draw for it? I think it'll probably be a bit busier than most Monday nights on average at Images. I've actually sold quite a few tickets pre-sale. And I know that a lot of the local colleges are going to be sending over students and there's some student groups coming. So I think there's going to be a lot of people there. What do you hope that they get out of it? What do you hope, what's the message that you hope they take away with, from it? No one's asked me that question before. I like that one. Um, I guess just to take away that, you know, this lifestyle, a BDSM lifestyle is a legitimate way to live your life and it can work and people can even take notes about things like communication and safety from the things that they're going to see in the film. All the feedback I've gotten from people who have seen it has been pretty much that it was really beautiful to watch the communication happen and the transformation happen. So I've also got one very, very vanilla person who recently wrote to me and said he saw the film. He didn't even see the film. He saw the trailer for the film and it sparked something in him and he ended up contacting a dominatrix and is now like in a very happy subdom relationship with her and it changed his whole life. So I think the possibilities there could be almost kind of endless for what people walk away with it. I'm sure there'll be some people who walk out of the theater and don't like what they see, to which I'll pat myself on the back for that one. <laughs> but I think that the response is going to be pretty positive. Well, it's uh, it's certainly... Uh, again, I think I don't know if I said it in the, in the digital green room or, or actually on air, but um, it is going to be proof that here in Williamstown, uh, we have everything that you could want uh, <laughs> in Williamstown. You might have to look for it or you might have to wait for it, but eventually it'll come around. Um, <laughs> Bella, I want to thank you so much for coming on Indecent Exposure here at the Greylock Glass. I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing uh, how this is received. And I hope we get a chance to check back again, uh, again uh, for another project one day. Definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. Take care. Bye-bye.
And we did get that time right. It is 7 o'clock. I was right the first time. Bella Vendetta presents The Training of Poe at Images Cinema on Spring Street in Williamstown, 7 p.m. tonight. Be there. Be square. Also, I dug up a preview, a, a trailer from The Training of Poe, um, and that is now embedded. It's a... It's a it's a Vimeo embed on the, in the show notes at greylockglass.com. Look for the link. Look for uh, the Indecent Exposure episode. You can't miss it. That's our show for this week. Hopefully, we will get back to doing a weekly show because Lord knows we have the material, and we know that you uh, want the material, and I want to give it to you. So that's it. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye.